Okay, we're in uh, Mark chapter 10. Like all good studies of Mark chapter 10, I would ask you at this time to open up to Isaiah chapter 42. So I want to read, kind of get, get our thoughts going in the right direction before we look at Mark 10. Isaiah 42. I'm going to read the first, no, I'll say nine verses. I can read much in Isaiah. This is a recurring theme, but it's introduced here into some verses that are very familiar to us. Beautiful verses, poetic verses, verses that jump off the page that thrill our soul. Give your attention to the reading of the Word of God, Isaiah chapter 42. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up his cause, uh, lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for the law, his law. Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and I will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. Uh, very familiar passage to us. How does it start? God introducing, Behold my servant. Who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about Jesus Christ, of course. I don't think there's any debate about that. Whom I uphold, my elect, and whom my soul delighteth. And he goes on to talk about his life, his ministry, his person. My servant, the servant of Jehovah, these passages, much in Isaiah about that. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 uh, last week we looked at verse 31, but many that are first shall be last, and the last first. We're going to jump into verse 32, and we're going to read down through verse 45, which I consider not only the, the capstone verse in this gospel, but I think one of the most important verses in the entire Bible for us to get hold of. And I feel like I'm on... I'm in over my skis. Well, I feel that way pretty often. I think it's a good way to be. I don't have a lot of confidence in the flesh, which I think is a good thing. But sometimes I'm, I feel like I'm on holy ground, like, oh, I don't want to bollocks this. I don't want to Charlie Brown this. I really want to get, you know, my foot on the ball this time. And so we're going to pause, we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to enable me supernaturally and enable you to receive the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, as we Lord, this is your word. We take it serious, serious, serious around here. And we want to understand it. We want to illumine our understanding, our eyes, to quicken us, Lord, to give us vision, to give us a purpose, Lord, to lead us, to guide us. All the things you want for this word to do in our hearts, we want them too. 
We're, we're on the same team here, Lord. We're not fighting you in this. We want to understand. We want to know. We want the Word to change us from the inside out for good and for God forever. Lord, we pray that this would be one of those days where after this, nothing's the same. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, these sections here, they're going to Jerusalem and he's preparing their hearts. He's starting really chapter 8 for my, you know, okay, Son of Man, he's going up to Jerusalem. Bad things. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. We know the uh, the disciples, they either fighting him like Peter, this ain't going to happen to you, Lord, or they're just not grabbing hold of it for one reason or for another. They're afraid to ask him. I think they're ignoring. I don't think they want to hear the answer. But it's going to roll out this way, guys. And it's like that unpleasant conversation that we have to have and we don't, we're dreading it, we don't want to have it. There's going to be a lot of emotion, maybe some tears, maybe some... But we've got to talk about it. And I think this is kind of that in the lives of the disciples. They were, verse 32, they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. Now, chapter 11, is, it's what we call the... He's in Jerusalem proper, and this is starting in chapter 11. This is the last week of his life. Okay, so that's where we are, all right? So we're, he, he's going to Jerusalem for the final time. Uh, he's got like a week plus left in his life. You know I, what I mean, his earthly ministry, his, his before the crucifixion. Now, his life didn't end. Well, it did, his physical life. And then there was resurrection. And his forever life was... You, you understand what I mean when it says life in the natural would end. Okay, let's... Okay, they were on their way going into Jerusalem. Jesus went before them. They were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Why? Because he told them a lot of things that are going to happen in Jerusalem. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man shall be delivered into the chief priests, unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Now, they know what kind of death this involves. Okay? They understand it. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. On the third day he shall rise again. Okay? You get, it? You get this, guys? It's going to get ugly, but I'll have victory. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto, his, uh, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldst do for us whatsoever we shall desire. <laughs> Your kids, they do this to you. I'm going to ask you something. Promise me you'll say yes. <laughs> well, well, go ahead and ask me. No, promise you'll say yes. That's basically what they're doing. Uh, give us a blank check and sign it. We'll fill a dollar amount. Don't worry about that, okay? Just go ahead and whatever we ask, we want you to do it for us. Now, in Matthew, we understand that their mom was in, involved as well. We learn from the different accounts of the crucifixion that Mary, Jesus' mother, was there and his sister. And one of the Gospels, this Gospel, Mark, names her as Salome. And we're told in the Gospel that their mother Salome came and asked them. And so we understand, like we put a lot of scriptures together, that basically these are his cousins. Salome, their mother, who married this guy named Zebedee, and Mary, who married this guy named Joseph, uh, they're sisters, okay? So these are cousins. 
Uh, Jesus has no problem with nepotism. His, uh, bro- uh, his, his cousin was the one who, uh, you know, announced his coming. You know what I mean? His brother Jude wrote the Gospel Book of Jude. Uh, his brother James wrote the Book of James. Jesus has no problem with nepotism, keeping it in the family. Uh, so the cousins, okay, and mom's involved according to one of the Gospels saying, hey, you know, whatever, uh, we, you know, we would that you do this thing. So the kids are there, mom's there, and they're asking... Um, give us a blank check. We'll fill in what we need to fill in. Verse 36, and as a, as a parent, you know what happens next. What would you that I should do for you? What is it? Okay, is what he's asking. They said to him, grant us that we should sit one on the right hand and one on the left hand in thy glory. Did you... <laughs> was that a shift in gears? Did we grind a few gears there? Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests, unto the scribes. They shall condemn him to death. They shall deliver him to the Gentiles. They shall mock him, scourge him, spit upon him, kill him, and third day he's going to rise again. Yeah, can we sit on your right hand, your left hand, in your kingdom? Saying that's kind of a non sequitur. It's not, and their theology is pretty good. They understand that he's got a kingdom. They, maybe they're processing this, maybe they're not. I don't know what's in the mind of the disciples at this point. All I know is the same verses that you're reading and I'm reading together. How, how much have they grabbed hold of this? I don't know. And I think there's a part of this that I, I want to pat him on the back. You at least get that he's got a kingdom coming. Because majority of Christendom doesn't get that. The majority of Christendom is called amillennial, no kingdom. You understand there is a kingdom. Jesus is coming back. He's going to rule and reign visibly, literally, from Jerusalem in Mount Zion. And it, we, we looked at that uh, back when we, when we were in Revelation. Wednesday nights we were augmenting our Revelation study with a lot of eschatological teaching. And I think we were four or five weeks on the kingdom. You remember that? I, I looked at every, I dredged up every verse that was even nominally related to that. And we looked at them, I think, painstakingly. We don't have any problems thinking about the kingdom, okay? We're looking forward to it. We're like way on board. We're thinking like, any time now would be great. Let's do this. So they understand that there's a kingdom involved. And they want to be on his right hand or on his left hand. Again, he doesn't rebuke them so much. Remember they want to be, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. He says, you want the greatest. You want to be the greatest. Okay, I I can dig that. Look, this is the methodology. This is how you attain that. And he gives them, this is it, okay? Now, this is teaching time. Because they're at it again, right? Jesus said unto them, he know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, we can. I don't think they have any idea what they're saying. And Jesus said unto them, yeah, as a matter of fact, <laughs> James will be the first martyr. I think it's in Acts chapter 8. Herod takes hold and puts him in jail and kills him. This James here, he's going to be the first of the 12, well, barring Judas, who's not really one of the 
12. He, he is at this point, but he's not. He's only temporarily part of 12. He's going to be the first to die. He's going to hang himself. Good riddance, bad garbage. No love lost there on my part. Uh, James will be the first martyr of, these, of, this, of this group here. John, his brother, will have the martyrdom of a long life. Um, one account has him being boiled in oil, and he doesn't die, and they send him off to the Isle of Patmos. To, it's, like a, it's a prison island where, he's, uh, where he goes and he receives the revelation of Jesus Christ and lives long enough to not only write that down, but bring it back to the churches. And he's, he comes back out of exile. Um, yeah, yeah, now that you mention it, you shall drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall ye be baptized. He's not talking about Christian baptism. You guys get that. You're, bright, you're a bright group. You get that. To be, you're going to be immersed in the suffering that I'm going to be immersed in. That's the baptism he's talking about. He's talking about his passion. He knows where he's going. He knows what's going to happen. Oh yeah, now that you mention it, you are going to be baptized with the baptism that I'm to be baptized with. Is that a surprising thing? Yea, all that would look godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's part of the Beatitudes. We have many verses in Scripture that tell us this. And we can quote them and we know them very well. Because much of us... like I talk about suffering in the Christian life. And, and by the way, if you, if, you, if you preach to people who are suffering, you'll never lack for an audience. That's, that's the way... Look, it's... it's it, the world is like that. It's tough going very often. And you're always talking to, you might be, you know, living large and, and everything's going, breaking your way and everything's really good. But you're talking to people who are broken and desperate and sin sick and sick and just hurting and, and they need hope. I'm always aware of that. Yeah, you're going to drink of that cup. Of course you are. Um, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to, to them for whom it is prepared. Jesus says that's, God, that's God's jurisdiction. God's Father God is going to do that. When the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. Would you be? Now, did you notice? Now they're the ten. I think it's the only place in Scripture where they're called the ten. They're not the twelve. They're the ten and the two. We're all like, you know, band of brothers here. Let's do this thing. Let's serve Jesus with our whole lives. We've forsaken lands and houses and friends and family. We've left it all behind. We're on team Jesus. Let's go. Now it's the ten and the two. Ah. You know, I understand. I understand a few things. I, I, want you to, I want you to follow with me. I understand, a few, I understand sin. I understand how sin works. I understand like somebody falls into an adulterous affair. Oh, we don't condone that. It's, no, it's not okay. But we understand flesh. We understand how it works. We understand people uh, falling into a lot of situations and a lot of sin. You know what I don't understand? People who sow discord among the brethren. People who don't understand that this is the bride of Jesus Christ. Jesus says this. God says this in the Old Testament. The seven things that I hate 
Six things I hate. Seven are an abomination unto me. Remember that passage? He that soweth discord among the brethren. And I've seen, and you've seen, and no matter when you minister, there's always these little pus pockets who just try to divide and break up. You know what this one said about you? You know what this one said about you when you were? Oh my goodness. And they're just, and I don't like the way they, and there's always, well, one, I think in the natural, you're not going to please everybody. Okay? We got that, right? But why are we trying to use the bride of Jesus Christ like a commodity? Why do we try to break up that unity and love are really, really prominent themes in the New Testament all through? And I think when we try to be disruptive and break up, I think we do the devil's work. How do you, is that the way you see it too? Now they're the ten and the two. The ten heard it. They began to be much displeased with James and John. Why? Because that's what they want. Teaching moment. Okay, huddle up. Everybody come on over. I got some, I got some teaching to do. Jesus called unto him and saith unto them, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. Does everyone get what he's saying here? You know this attitude you got? That's worldly. That's Gentile stuff. That's non-believer stuff. You know this. You've seen this. I don't have to draw you a picture. You, you understand that the one who rises above does it on the by stepping over and, and climbing over and clawing over everybody else. And self-promotion. And that, you know, and hey, I'm the, you cannot, I'm indispensable to this organization. You cannot survive without me. Uh, of course I need the promotion. Of course I should get the corner office. Don't you understand how important I am? Well, we were thinking about uh, Johnson. Johnson! Do you know what Johnson said about you the other day? And we don't mind tearing each other down for the sake of a 1% raising a title on our desk. It's crazy. And this is the way the world works. It's doggy dog. And he's saying, don't I know it? I'm wearing milk bone underwear. I get it. It's always this rat race. It's always this just trying to promote your own cause and trying to get out ahead of everybody else. And Jesus is saying, the world does that. This is the church of Jesus Christ. We're a different breed of cat. We don't. Do you want to be great in the kingdom? Listen, I hope you do, and I hope you go about it the right way. The Gentiles, they exercise lordship over, their, over, their, uh, over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. I give you example after example after example, but you're bright people and you know this. Sometimes the world gets it. They see a principle that's godly and good and belongs to Jesus, and they adopt it. Without adopting Jesus Christ, it would have reasonable... Listen, you don't have to believe in Jesus Christ to have a good marriage. I've seen it. But you adopt his principles, and your marriage will go better. You see, you've seen it. You've seen people happily married, atheists. But they do, they do the things... But isn't it kind of sad to, you know, work the principles of Jesus Christ? Listen, nobody will argue with you that treat people like you'd like to be treated is a good idea. Nobody's going to, oh, that's a horrible idea. 
We get it. That's a great way to live life. Imagine trying to live that life without Jesus Christ. And, and people have some. Now, so what I was saying is, so the world, sometimes they get this principle. You ever heard of servant leadership? And they're trying to, this is the new business model. This is try, they don't do a very good job of it. But imagine if they did. Imagine you're going to work on, well, tomorrow's a holiday, right? Imagine you're going to work on Tuesday. And your boss, come on, huddle up, huddle up, everybody. All right, let's have, let's have prayer. God bless this team. I, I pray. And each, each one of you, give you, he puts his arm and show, all right, Lord, give Adam the strength to do this job today. Give him the insight. Keep him safe. Give him wisdom. Have him, you know, the interpersonal skills. And just each one praying over you, blessing you, and telling you, and telling you what a great, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you showed up. It's great to see you. You're here on time, ready to work. I really appreciate that. And, just build, imagine going to a place like that to work and you're thinking like, yeah, in my dreams. I, I know, right? Uh, I noticed you were 30 seconds late here this morning. Is we going to make a habit of that? And, and then they want to threaten you with your job. And then they yell at you and threaten you some more. And you're a knucklehead and you're a mouth-breathing troglodyte. You can hardly get out of your own way and you're an idiot and you're just... The, the fact we even keep you here, I don't even know why it is, because we can't replace you right now. That's the job market, okay? We would if we could, because you stink, and we all know it. I love going to a place like that. By the way, by the way, <laughs> one of my good friends, because some, some people are saying, it's not that way at my place. I just want to say that outright. Somebody's getting a hold of this recording and stuff like that. It's not that way. I think they appreciate us by and large. And But there is that old way of doing business that, you know, threaten mentality. You feel like you're working for Simon Legree. And it's just threats. And more threats. And if you don't like that, I'll show you some threats. Ay, ay, ay. Uh, how about a government that, you know, on the police cars it says to serve and protect? And I'm a big, big fan of the police. Not defund the police? No. No, defund BLM and Antifa, okay? If you want to defund. Police, they're wonderful. For the most part. Has anyone ever abused his authority, his or her authority, thrown their weight around, you know, used that uh, office unrighteously? Might have happened once, maybe twice, right? To, to protect and serve. That's a wonderful motto. Would to God that it were true. Would to God that people who were elected... Uh, officials of our land understood that it was they serve at our pleasure. Would to God that we understood that they serve at our pleasure when it comes to the ballot box. What do you need me to do for you? What do you want? Or the statesman who says, that's wrong. This is the right stand. This is the godly stand. I'm taking the godly stand. You can, you can diselect me tomorrow. I, I don't care. But I'm doing the thing that's right. The one who's Stands for moral. No, no, it's, it's, it's you, you serve us, we're grabbing all the power, we'll tell you. Is this resonating with anyone? Am I the only one who notices this, that this is going on? You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority 
upon them. You know this, Jesus said. And none of the guys are saying, no, I don't see that at all. I think they're, uh, I think uh, Herod's a wonderful king, and I think the Romans' uh, occupation with their boot on our neck, I wouldn't change that if I could. I mean, they're wonderful to serve. I love paying taxes. I love that they're ungodly. I love that they're a wicked bunch, and, uh, you know, uh, Romans are in town, uh, hide all the women. No, I think it's a wonderful thing that they're here. Nobody's arguing with Jesus. They know what he's talking about and they agree with him. Nobody could mount an argument against these things. They're so obvious. The, the, the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. Their great ones exercise authority upon them. But, but, so shall it not be among you. You got this world, listen, get out of here with this worldly attitude is what Jesus is saying. Oh, man, I wish the church of Jesus... It's even in church. It's even in church. People understand the dog-eat-dog society, and they get saved, and they bring that right into the church. I'm not looking at anyone. <laughs> I think we do a good job, by and large. I'm just going to say that. I'm looking at you. My, I always say after I say something, I get my eyes rest and people at some they're thinking, like, is he talking to me? No. <laughs> no. Okay? I don't feel like anyone's trying to stab me in the back or anything trying to... I, I'm just going to say that outright, okay? And if you say, you were talking to me, I've <laughs> seen you and God. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't think that, okay? It shall not be so among you. Whosoever will be the greatest among you shall be your minister. Now, the word minister means servant. I hate the word minister in America now because it means minister. It doesn't mean servant anymore. Oh, he's a minister. He's a man of the cloth. Oh, he's, and they have special parking at the church. That's the minister's spot. And they have it at the emergency room, you know, clergy. You can park there and, you know, because you're uber important person. Uh, I, I hate most titles too. Uh, it, Every great once in a while, someone calls me Reverend. They don't go to church here, by the way, because they would know I don't like that. Um, I don't like titles at all. I'm Adam. Now, sometimes, and I have seen this, people call me pastor, and that, that's great. No, I, I like that. I'm okay with that. It's just the relationship we have. It kind of emphasizes that. That's fine. Don't use it like a title. And people call me pastor, pastor. Adam. A lot of times, people have had problem with the kids calling me first by first name, Adam. They think it's like, uh, you know, so ha they have them call me pastor or something like that. And some adults call me. I, I, I like that. Not as a title so much. Just again, just as like, you know, I say to somebody, hey sister, and it's a warm, or hey brother, that's a familial, warm, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's not a title. It's like a, you know what I mean? I like that, but like minister, reverend, It makes me want to throw up in my mouth. I, and people seek titles and the reverend doctor, the right reverend doctor, uh, and then all the letters come. Yeah, we got it. You went to college for a long time. You spent a lot of money. You're awesome. And I'm not, please, don't take that as against education. I'm not ed against education. I'm, I'm not. I am against titles. So I was listening to a, sermon series of a podcast. I don't want to say 
And if you understand who I'm talking about, don't. I don't want to. But it was talking about somebody and, uh, you know, full of hubris and arrogance. And, and I was listening to just see what I could learn from it. And uh, there's one situation where this pastor was traveling some people who are camera people because they're doing this filming some. And, uh, you know, someone said, hey, let's take a picture together. And they, and they thought it was kind of funny. Like, imagine they want a picture of you and them like you're some big celebrity. And he said, uh, maybe you haven't noticed, but I am a big deal. Uh, he, he was purported to have said, I wasn't there. But let's just say that happened. Just for the, what, what it, what we can draw from it. Doesn't that have to fall? Doesn't a situation like that have to be, if you think you're a big deal, doesn't that have, God, can God bless that? Can you really? I mean, it seems like, listen, I'm all that in a bag of chips. Don't you guys understand? How come you don't see that, how important I am? Again, don't you want to throw up right now? I mean, if I was serious about that and really purporting to say that in truth and really felt like that, doesn't that make you nauseous? I get greatness. I get that, Jesus. I want you to be great in the kingdom too. Let me show you how. It's not that Gentile. Don't be bringing that in here. You want to be servant of all. Forget minister, because we ruined that word. You want to be servant of all. See, well, Adam, how do I do that? Oh, please. Please. You know, you do it in your marriage. You got a great marriage. You got two servants married to each other. Holy, so you could teach us all something. You get two servants who are like always about the other person, trying to promote the other person's cause. Your marriage is on a scale of one to ten. You're like eleven, and you're doing awesome. You show up to work with a servant attitude; they are singing your praises. You show up to church with a servant attitude. What can I do? Well, that toilet's backed up, and it needs oh, praise the Lord. Where's the plunger? You know, just what. You, you would bless the socks off so many people if you just have that, what can I do? You know, so sometimes people ask, you know, what can I do around here? There's more people than there are jobs. What, I, what we don't like, what we don't like to see is consumer mentality in church. No pastor wants that. Well, do you have a, a ministry to uh, veterans who have seen action, have post-traumatic stress disorder? Lo- I'd love to have a ministry like that. Love to. Great idea. You want to head it up? I've never, <laughs> nobody's ever shot at me. You know what I mean? I get, uh, there's only so many nights a week. Uh, I, I, I think those are, you know, people have come, you know, and I, I just made that one up out of thin air, okay? Nobody's ever said that. But people come and they want like this and this and this and this. You're supposed to have all these things in place before you even open your doors. I'm one man. I can't do everything. And, you know, so people like shop. Well, you can't blame them. They want children's ministry. They want some, a place for their teens to go. They want... You know, maybe their marriage is scuffling a little bit, and they want to have some, you know, young, wedded, teaching class. Yeah, I understand all that. I'm not even against that. Uh, should we be doing uh, uh, alcohol and drug addiction ministry? 
yeah, we only have the highest per capita usage in the whole country. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think it's the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. And by the way, we're Calvary Chapel. That's a no-brainer, right? Uh, should we be ministering to people who are addicted to pornography, which is in the halfway or more percentage among men? And by the way, women are catching up. Should we be... Yeah, we should be doing those things. We are doing those things. Okay, so we have a place to come Tuesday nights for addictions ministry. Good. Um, but you can't have every... You know, what about single moms? Oh, I feel really bad for single moms. What about uh, orphans, childless parents? What about and we can? What about battered women? What about and you name it and name it and name it and name it? And I'm thinking like, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Oh, you're right, you're right. And the heart of Jesus Christ is. Where people are hurting, go and help. Make a difference. Anyone disagree with that? Because you say, I, I don't see that at all in Scripture. You've got to read the Bible again. This time with your eyes open. We see Jesus. He sees a situation where there's a need and He rushes into it and fills the void and, and, and helps out. And that's what He does. That's who He is. Uh, he's the Savior of the world. First and foremost, He deals with sin, but He always deals with the effects of sin too. You, you, you see what I'm saying? There's, there's a need. And I don't want anyone to feel, listen, when I talk about this, I don't want anyone to feel beaten up. I really don't. I can kind of, oh, you should be doing more, you should be, oh, I don't want to do like that. You know, I understand life is like life is, and there's only so many hours in a day, and so many I'm kind of like the do one thing and do it well, kind of. You say, well, that's arguable. <laughs> Let's start another time. Uh, I, I believe that, though. Conceptually, I believe that. And I've always been a church where like 15% of people do 85% of the work. And it's always kind of been that way. I've been Sunday school superintendent and Sunday school teacher and in the choir and uh, doing a wanna club and working with the youth and all at the same time. And trying to keep, uh, you know, a happy marriage, and and every once in a while I have time for the kids too, you know, <laughs> and work a full time job, no problem. Uh, but I want, and I don't mean to say that, so I'm always the hero and made little stories I tell. But we've always been a part of a church like that, where like everyone comes and entertain me. Do you do, and I'll just sit back and watch, and I'll give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down, de- depending on how I perceive you doing it. Where do we get those ideas? Whosoever you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. I want you to be great too, Jesus is saying. This is how. He's not rebuking them. They're all ten and two now. They're all at each other's throats. He goes, no, I get it. Now go for it. This is how. For even the Son of Man... Now, this is that verse. i got to tell you something. I think this is one of the most important verses in the Bible. You know, people ask you about Jesus Christ or tell you their perception of Jesus Christ. I think he was a great religious reformer. I think he was a great teacher.
Bad Adam wants to say some things right now that I'm trying to discourage him from coming to the surface. Do you know this verse? He's the servant of God. He's the servant of Jehovah. We read it in, in, in chapter 42 of Isaiah. He's the one who comes to give the blind their sight. He comes to open prison doors. You know what's significant? The rest of this chapter, he's going to open the eyes of this man named Bartimaeus. Oh, I love this story. I can't wait for it next week. We won't get there today, and I know I wasn't going to. Verse 52, Jesus said unto him, that's to say Bartimaeus, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. He's giving him a sight back. I want you to go your way. Go away. Do what you got to do. You're, here's your sight. Yay, happy day. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. When he gives you a sight, doesn't your way become his way? So what's he doing? Is he a groupie? Is he a hanger-on? Is he a part of the flotsam and jetsam following Jesus because of the, the, the popularity? Oh, I think he's totally, totally dedicated to Jesus Christ from this point on and forever. He's given us a sight. He's given us sight. And he said, go your way. Well, we'll look at that next week. Verse 45. Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. Why? Why did He not come to be ministered unto? In heaven, myriads of angels sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That should be our expression only all the time. We should fall on our face before Him and exclaim His great goodness, His great, His gloriousness, His, His holiness, His... No, 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 no. I, I mean, those things are good. If you're doing that, I, I don't want to discourage that. But that's not why I came, Jesus is saying. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's good news. Somebody should say amen to that. Somebody, somewhere. Because he's showing us the way. He shows us what it's all about. Are we going to be prominent, like I say, climbing over others, clawing our way to the top? Somehow, that's not the way Jesus did it. He's God, y'all. He could do that, and it's all right. It's like, who, who do you think you are, God? And he says, as a matter of fact, yeah, yeah, I kind of am, y'all. But he's saying, I, I want to show you something. I want to, I want to give you an example. I want you to set. This is okay. This is the 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 the, uh, the uprights. This is the goalposts. Okay. When you set up for the kick, I'm not going to move them. This, they're staying here all the time. This is where you're going. This is the ultimate. This is the direction you're heading, okay? Servanthood. Be the servant of all. How can I help? How can I fix what's broken? How can I... What's ailing you? How can I be of service to you? How can I... You get... I'm looking at some blank, some blank stairs. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. You guys aren't 
people who wear all your expressions right here. I mean, you, you keep your cards right close to your vest. I, I get that. I get that. But I want us to understand this. I want to, and I want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm getting it across to us. Listen, if we miss this, we've missed everything. We've missed everything. How are we going to live our life successfully? We don't even know what direction we're going. How are we going to, how are we going to be great in the kingdom? How are we going to be mediocre in the kingdom? And so much of this, dog-eat-dog, celebrity Christianity. I see it. I hope you see it too. Let God be the judge of stuff like that. But I want to make hay. We're taking this last lap together. And here we are for such a time as this. And if you don't perceive what's going on around us, you just you're just all like you know an ostrich with his head in the sand, just not paying attention. You know, people talk about when things get back to normal. I just maybe, and I hope you're right. But there's some things that have changed. I think inevitably, invariably, not coming back. Not, and we'll see. We'll see. I don't have a crystal ball. But sometimes I, I think to, and I say to people, what part of perilous times don't you, aren't you getting? Aren't you, don't you understand? And it, they seem like the 12. Hey, can we be <laughs> on your right hand and your left hand in the kingdom? Um, yeah, that's going to happen. I'm glad you have faith in that. But right now we get some stuff going on that's going to be like, it's going to get ugly here in a hurry. Not for us. Well, let me just say it because it's on my mind. I think tribulation is right around the corner. And before that is the rapture of the church. How much bad things are going to happen before the tribulation? War? Rumors of war? Gee, I wish I could give you an example of that. Hmm. Can't think of any. Being, you get the being facetious. Okay, you're smart people. You get it. Um, how much are we going to... Is is the gas prices like skyrocketing? Is the economy in the toilet? Is it, is it headed that way? Is it hard uh, living life, you know, paying your bills, keeping ahead? I know I know how it is. I know how it is. I, I've been there. You know, you get two nickels ahead and your muffler falls off. I, I get it. I get it. I know how it is. Is, are we headed for some really rough times? Are we going to send our, uh, our blood and treasure off to die in some foreign battlefield right off here pretty quick? I don't know. I don't know. Aren't you glad to be alive at such a time as this? Because I'm sad over the way the country's gone. I really, really am. The way my parents pass on me, I'm not going to pass it on to my children my grandchildren the same way. And it, causes me some sorrow, but here we are for such a time as this. When the Antichrist comes to prominence, I believe he's alive and well, living on planet Earth somewhere. When he comes to prominence, the whole world's going to fall sway under his dominion. Except America? <laughs> Come on. Don't be silly. I think we're going to be the leading the way. We're going to be the first group to embrace him. And I believe we'll be watching it from the mezzanine, but how much are we going to 
if you're a servant and you understand some things, look, it's all about service. That's the whole thing. We can always find what we need to do. We can always find somebody who needs a hand. We can always find somebody who needs help. We can always find a way to serve. Son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister to give his life a ransom for many. Let's stand, let's pray. Father, you know, uh, you know, you've heard. If we miss this, Lord, we've missed it all. And I, Lord, want to thank you for the many who serve here, who have made it their priority to see what they can do. I thank you for the service of moms and grandmoms who make sure their family is, is, is well taken care of, Lord. I, I'm not blind to, to the things that go on. But Lord, I would that none of us have that mentality of, you know, what's in it for me. It's... Um, just, Lord, help us to get this right, to, to know this, to do this. I want to be famous, Lord. Uh, this church be famous for its service, Lord. To, to everyone, all the churches around us be, think and be saying, they're doing it right at Calvary Chapel. So, Lord, I pray you'd bless to that end. Help us not only understand this, Lord, but to do this. Now, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.